Margot tucked a strand of blonde hair behind her scarf and, wiping a drop of sweat from her brow with a swipe of her sudsy hand, she admired the results of her plebeian task. In an arm stretch, semicircle around her, an oasis of white glistened in a desert of grimy yellow. After another two hours of sweating and scrubbing and backache, she would have worked off one week's rent here in her Geary Street apartment in downtown San Francisco. But the 38-year-old woman refused to complain. At least she had a roof over her head, which was a lot more than many women in her situation could say. The proud Swede had seen many an unfortunate woman in the social services line. Single women, many not yet forty, bent and stunted from malnutrition and medical neglect. A herd of buzzing, scraggly children at their sides, pulling on their work-wearied bodies, each claiming a part of a mother who hadn't the energy left to enjoy her blessing of motherhood. And in the welfare lines, too, unkempt, dirty hair, worn-down heels on blistering oversized shoes bought for a dollar at St. Vincent de Paul's. The poverty and humiliation brought tears to Margot's eyes. No, she would never fall into such poverty, even now in her widowed years. She would work off her debts with honest physical labor and not complain how many backbreaking hours it took to satisfy Roy Bassett's insistent demands. After all, as landlords go, he had been sympathetic enough to appreciate her grim situation since Finn was killed in the construction accident down south of Market Street. Then, too, her poverty was only a temporary inconvenience. The union lawyers were working, trying to settle the lawsuit involving Finn Salveson's needless death and the explosion that rocked him twenty feet in the air to crash on the flatbed truck below. When the case was finally settled, the union lawyers anticipated a $2 million settlement for his death, plus another 500000 for her trauma and personal loss. And that didn't include Finn's two life insurance policies. When her ship came in, she'd pack up her modest belongings and buy a ticket back to Sweden, where her relatives were crying for her. But that was in the future, and the 38-year-old blonde realized she must cope with the squalor of her existence until she could free herself. She'd put up with the wheezing hydraulic brakes of the city's buses that roared beneath her bedroom window and the cockroaches that infested every drain in the soon-to-be-condemned apartment house where a conglomerate of senior citizens, widows, taxi drivers, hippies, and single-parent children survived in the ruins of what was once an elegant place to call home. The rent was extraordinarily cheap for San Francisco, and transportation was readily available for people like Margot who couldn't afford a car. Then, too, the landlord would accept excuses when the rent was late, like now, or better still, he would accept what humble labor she could offer in exchange for a place to call home. In the three years she had occupied her third-floor, one-bedroom apartment here on Geary Street, she had grown comfortable and had made friends with some of the occupants who shared the ten-story eyesore. After Finn's death, the widower from upstairs whose television set she had tolerated at three o'clock in the morning for three years without protest ingratiated himself by inviting her up for coffee and to watch the afternoon soap operas, and the woman from across the hall had invited her over on Saturday afternoons. So it wasn't as if nobody appreciated her loss. 
Roy, too, had invited her to his apartment on several occasions, a truth which brought a blush to her cheeks as she moved over to the far corner of the kitchen, pushing her sloshing mop bucket along ahead of her. Roy, she mused, watching the water drip from the scrub brush before putting it on the floor. Roy had been more than kind. Finn wouldn't approve of her cooking and cleaning for another man, she thought guiltily. But what was she to do? Spend the rest of her life holed up, crocheting, and mending house dresses? Ah, uh, it was silly. There wasn't anything between her and Roy. Margot got down on her knees and dug the brush into the yellow linoleum, watching bits of dirt and wax lift like magic. But her mind wasn't on the floor. It was on Roy, 